The Word of God, the Holy Bible, is a treasure and a gift beyond compare. Every passage of it points to a marvelous truth that God's love for man impelled him to step out of eternity and unite with his creation in order to redeem him from sin. Jesus Christ is both the author and subject of this precious word. Join us at the Superior Word each week as we search out this wonderful gift in search of Christ Jesus. Psalm 147. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant, and praise is beautiful. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked down to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises on the harp to our God, who covers the heavens with clouds, who prepares rain for the earth, who makes grass to grow on the mountains. He gives to the beast its food and to the young ravens that cry. He does not delight in the strength of the horse. He takes no pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He makes peace in your borders and fills you with the finest wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His words run very swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters the frost like ashes. He casts out his hail like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He causes his wind to blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and his judgments to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any nation, and as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise the Lord. Okay, we have, uh, I forgot to mention him at the beginning of the service, Mike Green. You know, I told you a couple weeks ago he tore himself up pretty badly, and he is still healing, and he just can't get himself comfortable. So you want to keep Mike Green in prayer as well. Um, let's see here. We're going to be in Joshua. We're starting the book of Joshua today. It's taken, what, 10 years to get here? 10, 11 years? Something like that. Jim knows. Anyway, uh, we're in Joshua 1, 1 verse 9. And this is entitled, The Lord Your God is With You. <clears throat> After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. 
This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Okay, I cut my left ring finger with a chainsaw pretty badly a couple days before typing this sermon. They actually had to cut off my wedding band after 37 years of wearing it, and I finally got it fixed and back on my finger this week just in time for our 38th anniversary. But on Sunday, I got through church, but I had no energy left to even complete the day's tasks. I got done what was necessary, but nothing more. I then plopped into bed at about 6 p.m., which is early even for me. If I had not set the clock, I wouldn't have gotten up when I always do, which is around 3.30. But the clock went off, and I got up thinking, how can I ever type a sermon today? My finger was swollen, the antibiotics had me woozy, the tiredness of the weekend was not removed, and a new book was about to be opened. I talked to the Lord before and during the typing, and the sermon did get done. The constant repetition of the words of this passage was certainly an encouragement to help me through it. I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed. The Lord your God is with you. They are words of comfort and strengthening. I sure am glad they were there to help me through on that Monday. Our text verse comes from Psalm 118. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. For the people of the Lord, the Bible is one continuous stream of good and uplifting news, comfort, hope, and anticipation. For those not in the Lord, well, not so much. There are promises for them too, but they are not the kind of promises any sane person would want to receive. Better to trust in the Lord, put your hope in Him, and await the good and sure blessings that lie ahead. His word will not fail, and it will come to pass, just as He says. As I noted in today's passage, Joshua is given instruction and encouragement. It was something he could remember and he could rely upon. But we will see that pretty much everything said there anticipates a greater fulfillment in Christ Jesus. As this is so, and as he is the one who has accomplished everything necessary to deliver us from this present evil age and into an internal inheritance, let us not despair. We have entered the promise through faith. As this is so, then we will enter the promise, meaning the realization of it, without any chance of it not coming to pass. We are on the road to glory, so trust in what Jesus has done. Trust in what God has said concerning it because of your faith in that, and don't be afraid or discouraged. Great, great things lie ahead for the redeemed of the Lord. Hold fast to this now. For now, here we go, headed into Joshua. It is a marvelous part of God's superior word. And so, let us turn to that precious word once again, and may God speak to us through his word today, and may his glorious name ever be praised. I've got two thoughts for you today. The first is the book of Joshua, an introduction. The book of Joshua is the sixth book of the Holy Bible, and it is the first book of the section sometimes called the writings. 
It is also referred to as a portion of the historical books, also known as the former prophets. Jesus uses this last division in Luke 24. He says, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Joshua follows immediately after the section known as the law, the Pentateuch, or the Torah. Its Hebrew name is Sefer Yehoshua, literally book Joshua. It is named after the key figure in the book, Joshua, the son of Nun, who assumed leadership of Israel after the death of Moses. As far as the dating of Joshua, there is a dispute as to when it was written. However, the conservative and traditional dating can be figured based on when Solomon's temple was built. By tracing back from that day, as is stated in 1 Kings 6 verse 1, which indicates 480 years from the Exodus, we can assert with relative confidence that the narrative begins in the year 1404 B.C. The Exodus occurred in the year 2514 Anno Mundi, meaning from the creation of the world. It is now the beginning of the 41st year since the Exodus, as can be deduced in several ways. One is based on the presence of the manna in relation to the crossing of the Jordan, says in Exodus 16. And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Next, entrance into the land, as indicated in Joshua 4, verse 19. It says there, now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And finally, the ending of the manna. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho, and they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on that very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Now, before I go on, I'd like to tell you that I typed that particular sermon, Joshua chapter 5, the second half of it, this past Monday, and it is marvelous. The timing of Joshua begins several days earlier than the crossing of the Jordan, as is seen in Joshua 1, 10 and 11. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. A note of another three-day period is seen in Joshua 2, verse 22, which will be analyzed when we get to that verse, and it is very complicated, so I want you to know that in advance. Taking the dating from Joshua chapter 1, the events of the book would begin right around, and this is depending on when the Sabbath would have been observed, the first few days of the first month in the year 2555 Anno Mundi, or from the creation of the world. Obviously, critical scholars question the dating of the book, some claiming it was written even many hundreds of years later at the end of the period of the kings. However, Jewish tradition places the writing as coming from Joshua, with the exception of the final portion which details his funeral. Though no author is given within the book, 
In the text itself, Joshua personally commands things to be written down, such as in verse 18.8, or he is said to have written them down personally, as is recorded in 24.26. Also, some manuscripts of Joshua 5, verse 1, say we. If original, this would probably indicate personal authorship. I say probably because it could be a Jew many years later saying we, including himself as the Jewish people, okay? But I would go with the most conservative dating and say Joshua is included in this. Other indications of an early compilation come through the author's use of certain terms, such as the Jebusite city for Jerusalem. These and other early designations and inclusions and exclusions of various names and titles lend credence to an earlier dating. On the other hand, references to the book of Jasher in verse 1013, as well as the frequently used term until this day, give the sense that the book may have been compiled at some point after Joshua's death, maybe by Samuel or some other early chronicler. As far as a historical context, the book is given to reveal the entry of Israel into the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. After that, the conquest of the land is recorded. The land is divided according to tribal inheritance, assignment of cities of refuge, and so on. The book ends with a note concerning the unity of the tribes, a final exhortation by Joshua to the people, a renewal of the covenant, and the death and burial of Joshua. Concerning a redemptive context, Joshua demonstrates the faithfulness of the Lord in meeting his promises to the people. A key thought in that is found in these words from Joshua 21. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of all of their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Those things that did not go well for the people were due to their own failings, not those of the Lord. The Lord had warned them as such. Back in Numbers 33, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Moreover, it shall be that I will do to you as I thought to do to them. This sentiment is restated by Joshua from Joshua 23. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God, or else if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you and make marriages with them and go in to them and they to you know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. The thought then is that the Lord is faithful. He will always uphold his word and follow through on the promises that he has made. It is through our disobedience alone that we fail in obtaining that which God freely offers to his people. Being the sixth book of the Bible, it is of value to consider the number as it is revealed in Scripture. Six is the number of man, especially fallen man. It is the final day of creation, after which man was to enter into his rest. 
However, despite entering into the land of promise, and despite having been given rest from all their enemies round about, which is recorded in Joshua 23.1, the author of Hebrews clearly indicates that Israel did not enter into its rest at this time. From Hebrews 4, for if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his work as God did from his. As such, Joshua is only typical of Christ, and the book is only a typological representation of entering into that which only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Fallen man, apart from Christ, can never obtain the true rest that God offers. There is much more that could be said about the book, and commentaries abound for you to consider. As for us, it is time to enter into this treasure of God's Word and begin our time of seeking out its secrets. May the Lord bless our time in the book of Joshua, and may you be blessed as we travel through it. Be strong and of good courage, I am with you. Fear not, and be not dismayed. Others may depart, but I am faithful and true. It is I who have all your debts paid. I will bring you into the inheritance, and there I will place you forever. Of me failing, there is not even a chance. Nothing can the bond between us sever. Be strong and of good courage. Trust in me. Fear not and be not dismayed. I am with you. The word I have spoken, so shall it be. I am the Lord your God, faithful and true. Our second thought today, be strong and of good courage. It's verses 1 through 9. Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass. The book actually begins as several of the books of the Old Testament begin, with a conjunction connected to a verb, vehi achare mot Moshe eved Yehovah. And it came to pass after death Moses' servant Yehovah. In beginning with the word and, it signifies that what is presented is merely a continuation of the same story we have been reading. God is revealing to us wonders, unfolding them in a logical sequence which at times may or may not be chronological, but they fit in a fashion as orderly as if they are chronological. In this case, it is a chronological event following directly after the record of the death and burial of Moses as Deuteronomy ended. This same and begins the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Judges, Ruth, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Esther, Ezekiel, and Jonah. Beginning this way is certainly intended to show us the unraveling of a thought process that already began elsewhere. The note of Moses' death was found towards the close of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 34. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Immediately after that, it then said, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. 
Following that was a note of commendation concerning Moses, and then the book closed out. It is with this remembered that the words, and it came to pass, find their meaning. It is now Joshua who assumes the main role in this ongoing narrative. And so it is, verse 1 continues, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. Rather than spoke, it says said. Though close in meaning, the idea here is that the Lord is conveying words to Joshua as if in a conversation. Vayomer Yehovah el Yehoshua bin Nun, and said Yehovah unto Joshua, son Nun. In the ongoing narrative, Joshua pictures Jesus Christ. In fact, in the Greek, the names of Joshua and Jesus are the same. In the Hebrew, his name means the Lord is salvation. Jesus is the Lord, and he is salvation. The name of Joshua's father anticipates Christ also. Nun is from the verb nun, meaning to propagate or increase. This is what Christ would do, increasing the family of God through his completed work. The Lord says to Joshua, verse 1 going on, Moses' assistant, saying, Though nobody translates it as such, it is a verb. Mesharet Moshe Lemor, minister-er of Moses, saying. Rather than a servant, he was a personal attendant for Moses. It is what Samuel is said to have done when he ministered before the Lord. Moses means he who draws out. He represents the law as he has drawn out the will of the Lord through the law. A picture is developed here as Joshua is the one ministering to the law and completing and fulfilling the will of the Lord. That is pictured in the death of Moses and also in the continuance of Joshua. Though the law dies, the one who ministered to it continues while also increasing the family of God through his efforts. Everything is about Jesus here. With this typology hinted at, it next says, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. The Lord acknowledges that Moses was his servant. The same title, of thee, my servant, is used of the coming Messiah in Isaiah 52, verse 13. Joshua will also be called the Lord's servant in Joshua 24, verse 29. The idea of being the Lord's servant is the highest title by which a person can be referred to. With Moses dead, the Lord now instructs Joshua. Verse 2 continues, Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. Ve'ata kum avor et hayarden hazeh. And you, arise, cross over the Jordan, the this. The word Jordan is prefixed by an article. It is ha-yarden, or the Jordan, meaning the descender. It is never known as the river, the brook, or any other connecting word. Rather, it is simply the descender. Its waters originate in the area of Mount Hermon and flow south through the Sea of Galilee. It then continues south to the Salt Sea, meaning the Dead Sea. That is a distance of about 60 miles, but because of how it flows, zigzagging back and forth, its actual path is said to be about 200 miles. It is this river that is to be crossed, verse 2 continuing, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. It is of note that the text itself mentioned Moses' death, and then the Lord specifically mentions it again. The law dies before entrance by either Joshua or the people. But with Moses dead, Joshua and all of the people may now enter. 
It is the land of promise, and it is incorrect to say that it is not typical of heaven, at least indirectly. The reason for this is that those who enter have done so by crossing through what the descender typifies, meaning Christ. The Jordan began in the area of Mount Hermon, meaning sacred. That is typical of heaven where Jesus came from. He is the descender who came down from heaven. He lived out his life and he died just as the Jordan came down from Mount Hermon and ended at the Salt Sea or the Dead Sea. The flow of the Jordan through Israel actually pictures his life. The Jordan travels through the Sea of Galilee, picturing the many years of his life and ministry being focused in that area. The long zigzagging pattern of the river is emblematic of his time, zigzagging throughout the entire length and breadth of the land. The entrance into the Salt Sea, meaning the Dead Sea, pictures his death without corruption and then his ascending, just as the Dead Sea ascends in evaporation. It does not continue on into any sea. In passing through him, one enters life. It is a spiritual state that Canaan anticipates. But heaven, meaning restored paradise, is a result of that state. The two are often disconnected, which is too bad. Though believers in Christ are not yet in heaven, the guarantee that they will be is already obtained. The result, meaning glorification and eternal life in the heavenly inheritance, is already assured. The Lord is giving the land to Israel. Israel is merely typical of what the Lord gives us when we by faith, pass through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. There is a literal story, and there are typological anticipations given in that story. As for Joshua now, the narrative continues. Verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. It is the fulfilling of the promise made just a short time before in Deuteronomy 11, verse 24, which says, every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. The word foot is in the singular construct, but the words your and you are plural. Israel is a single entity, even if it is made up of many people. One cannot help but see hints of what Jesus said in John chapter 14. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so... I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. There is one place, singular, made up of many mansions, plural, that is being prepared for you, plural. There is one body, Jew and Gentile, that is made up of many parts. The Lord is giving the land singular to Israel as a type of his giving the inheritance singular to those who are in Christ. Verse 3 continues, as I said to Moses. The Lord says, as I said to Moses, and yet that is not recorded anywhere except in Deuteronomy 11 where Moses spoke in the first person, or he referred to the Lord in the third person. As such, one can clearly see the doctrine of divine inspiration where the Lord is seen to have spoken through Moses as he spoke out the word of the Lord. As for Canaan, the Lord next says, verse 4, from the wilderness. This refers to the wilderness on the southern border of Canaan as is recorded in Numbers 34, verse 3. Your southern border shall be from the wilderness of Zin along the border of Edom. Then your southern border shall extend eastward to the end of the Salt Sea. 
verse 4 going on, and this Lebanon. The words are emphasized, Veha Lebanon Hazeh, and the Lebanon, the this. It explains the northern border. It speaks of the Lebanon range that could actually be discerned from where Joshua was, even though it was a way, way long way off. Verse 4 continues, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. Ve'ad hadachar hagadol nechar perat, and unto the river, the great river Euphrates. This was to eventually be the eastern border of the land. This extended border was originally promised to Abraham way back in Genesis 15. Verse 4 going on, all the land of the Hittites. The name is first mentioned in Genesis 15. It means terror. It isn't sure why this group of the various nations living in Canaan is singled out here. Thus, there must be typology being conveyed because normally it speaks of either the Canaanites or the Amorites. And all of a sudden it mentions the Hittites. It may be because they not only filled the land in general, but they extended to the east in the direction of the Euphrates. As such, it would signify that they represented the entire span of the land. Verse 4 continues, And to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. The great sea, where the sun goes down, is the Mediterranean. This would be the western border. The word translated as toward the going down is Mabul. It signifies an entrance, and it has only been seen in Deuteronomy 11, verse 30. One can think of the sun entering into its daily obscurity. It is the final note of the general borders of the land. The words, your territory, are given in the plural, the territory for you all. The words expand upon what is said in Deuteronomy 11, verse 24, from the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the western sea, shall be your territory. At this time, I will bring you into the land of speculation and try to interpret what has been said as it anticipates Christ. The southern border is the wilderness. It is a place of testing and of closeness with God. The northern border is this Lebanon. Lebanon comes from a word signifying to be white. That comes from a word signifying brick because bricks whiten as they are fired. As such, it is a picture of works, the making of bricks in the Tower of Babel, for example. The eastern border is the river Euphrates, meaning fruitfulness, or that which makes fruitful. The land is the land of the Hittites, or terror. The western border is the great sea where the sun goes down. Understanding these things, we can look for typology. The first thing noted after the death of Moses is that they are to cross over the Jordan. As such, the thing to remember is the symbolism of the Jordan. In fulfillment of the typology, Jesus himself expressly tells us that he is what the Jordan pictures. It says in John 6, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Though modern New Testament Hebrew is different than biblical Hebrew, there are overlapping words. In the Sar Shalom Hebrew translation of Jesus' words, the word Ve'yarati, and I have come down, is used. The name Jordan is from the same word, Yarad. Jesus is the descender. The land is emblematic of where he will accomplish his work. The southern border is emblematic of his time on earth. It was a time of testing and closeness with God while under the law, both reflected in the Gospels. 
The northern border with the emphatic this Lebanon is emblematic of his work in fulfillment of the law. This and none other. The eastern border is emblematic of the state of his work under the law fulfilling it. It is that which makes fruitful. The Hittites, terror, are reflective of the state of those who dwelt in the land. Here's what it says. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death, think of terror, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. There is the fear of death for all because of the law, which is eliminated because of the work of Jesus Christ. The Western border is reflective of the scope of Christ's work under the law. The last use of the word mabo or entrance of the sun is seen in Malachi 1 verse 11. There it says, for from the rising of the sun, even to its mabo, it's going down. My name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Hence, this may be figuratively showing that the law is merely a transitional part of the redemptive plan. The sun rises in the east and it sets in the west with the greatness of the name of the Lord being proclaimed by the Gentiles throughout the entire extent of that happening. This appears to be so based on the last use of the word Shemesh or sun found in the Old Testament, which is referring metaphorically to Christ the Lord. Here's what it says in Malachi 4.2. But to you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall arise. As the sun actually never sets, but simply disappears from view, the borders of Canaan, as being described to Joshua, appear to allude to the fact that Christ is the one to work out, fulfill, and embody the law, and that its scope is without ending or limit. With that seemingly reasonable explanation now understood, the sighting of Deuteronomy 11 continues with the next words as well. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Lo yityatsev ish lefanecha kol yemechaecha. No shall stand man to your face all days your life. Despite being similar to Deuteronomy 11, there are differences. There it says, no man shall be able to stand against you. In Deuteronomy, it says, Lo yityatsev ish bifnechem. No shall stand man in your face, meaning in your presence. Here in Joshua, it says, to your face, instead of in your face. In Deuteronomy, the words are to all the people in the plural. But here in Joshua, the Lord is speaking only to Joshua. One can see that Joshua, as the leader of the people, is representative of all of the people. The communication to Joshua alone continues in the next words. Verse 5 going on, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. The words were said by Moses to all of Israel collectively in the singular, and then they were repeated by Moses to Joshua. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy 31. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you, speaking to Israel. 
Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Here the words are spoken to Joshua alone. As the leader, he represents all who are with him. It is reflective of Jesus who was not forsaken by the Lord even in his suffering and death and who now represents his people in the same manner. Here's what it says in Hebrews 13. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And again, more words from the same passage in Deuteronomy 31 that were spoken by Moses to the people and then to Joshua are repeated by the Lord to Joshua. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage. It is the same word spoken to both Israel in Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 and to Joshua in 31.8 and again in 31.23. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them for the Lord your God he is the one who goes with you. And then from 31.8, be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And then from Deuteronomy 31.23, be strong and of good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land of which I swore to them, and I will be with you. When we were in that chapter, it was noted how this pointed to the work of Christ, the Lord, the man, and the relationship between them. The wording of these verses made that evident. Now it is the Lord speaking to Joshua, typical of the Lord God directing Jesus, the man. Verse 6 continues, For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. The words here form a large section of the book of Joshua, where he leads the division of the land among the tribes. That is subsequently divided among the people, as can be seen, for example, in Joshua 17, verse 3. But what happens here is only typical of the greater work of the Lord. It is a certain reference to the work of Jesus as is outlined in Colossians chapter 3. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Joshua is to divide as an inheritance the land to the people. Jesus divides to the people, the you is plural, the inheritance. As for Joshua, as the leader of the people, he must do just as it was Jesus who did that is seen in the next words. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. The words are repeated with a note of encouragement and a superlative. Rak chazak ve'amatz me'od. Only be strong and be strengthened very. In thinking of Jesus, we can see him needing this encouragement as he faced down one enemy after another and then coming to the final enemy that he knew was just ahead as he prayed even to the sweating of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. Verse 7 continues, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Lishmor la'asot, to observe, to do. 
Joshua was given a charge to obediently observe the law in order to do the law which Moses commanded him. Jesus came to do likewise in order to fulfill this law. Not a word of the law was to be allowed to fail. Verse 7 continues, Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Not do turn from right and left to end purpose, you may prosper in all which you walk. It is a note that in obedience, to observe, to do, and without any deviation from the law set forth for him, he would prosper. It is an exacting description of Jesus. Isaiah uses the same word, sakal, or prosper, to describe Jesus' work culminating in the cross. Isaiah 52, 13 from the NAB. See, my servant shall prosper, sakal. He shall be raised high and greatly exalted. And again, the same thought is presented to Joshua. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Here is the first new biblical word found in the book of Joshua, Hagah. It is translated as meditate. It means to murmur. By implication, it means to ponder, imagine, meditate, speak, study, and so on. When one meditates, what does he do? He murmurs to himself. A more literal translation would be, not shall depart book, the law, this, from your mouth, and you shall murmur in it day and night. Think of yourself when you're out there practicing the Bible while you're mowing your lawn, right? I know you all do that. You're murmuring. You're speaking out the words of the Lord. Come on, murmur. This is speaking of the book that was mentioned several times in Deuteronomy. For example, Deuteronomy 31. So it was when Moses had completed writing the words of this law in a book, when they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness against you. For I know your rebellion and your stiff neck. If today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord, then how much more after my death? That's why you are all out murmuring while you're mowing, is because you don't want to be on the bad side of the Lord. So you're reminding yourself about the word of the Lord, right? What does it say? Read your Bible. For all intents and purposes, the book of the law reflects the will of the Lord. It is Jesus who came to fulfill the word of the Lord and the will of the Lord. Joshua is being used as a type to point us to the antitype. From the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will. Oh God, you can't do the will of the Lord unless you know the will of the Lord. And that is recorded right here, folks. The knowing of and meditating on the law allows for the will of the Lord to be done. That continues to be seen in the next words. Verse 8 going on, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Lema'an tishmor la'asot, to end purpose, you shall observe to do. 
It is in knowing and meditating on the word that the end purpose of observing and doing what is written in it is accomplished. Only Christ, the embodiment of the law, was able to fully meet this expectation. As such, verse 8 continues, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The words good success are translated from the same word just used in the previous verse, sakal or prosper. And the word prosperous is from the word salach. It comes from a root signifying to push forward. Hence, it also carries the sense of prospering. And it too is used when referring to the work of Jesus Christ in Isaiah 53. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you made his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall salach, prosper in his hand. One cannot help but see the constant anticipations of Jesus Christ. Yes, the Lord is speaking to Joshua about his commitments, but it is Christ who more perfectly fulfills the types and pictures that are given. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Notice the repetition. My servant commanded you. Verse 7. Have I not commanded you? Verse 9. Be strong and of good courage. Verse 6. Only be strong and very courageous. Verse 7. Be strong and of good courage. Verse 9. These repetitions form their own stress, and that leads to the final words of the day. Verse 9 finishes with, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua was to face challenges. The Lord, Jesus, was to face challenges. Each was given his charge and each was to carry it out according to the will of God. But each is given a promise that the Lord is also there in the process. For Jesus, it was the presence of the Spirit that was with him wherever he went until the mission set before him was complete. From Matthew 12, Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory. And in his name, Gentiles will trust. Joshua was given his charge to subdue the land and prepare the inheritance. Jesus was given a similar charge. He was to defeat the enemy and provide the inheritance. The Lord was with Joshua as he carried out his work faithfully, completing his part of the task. Jesus did likewise as the spirit of the Lord rested upon him. The failure of anyone not obtaining the inheritance is not because of Joshua for Israel or Jesus for us, but of our failure to follow them. It is we who have to choose to follow the leader set before us. In our case, Jesus has done all, everything that is necessary to accomplish this. All we need to do is to simply believe that he has done it. The inheritance has been secured for us, and so let us be wise and accept what Christ has done for us. Then we too can be strong and of good courage. We too can be without fear or trepidation. In Christ, the Lord is with us wherever we go. This is the hope set before us, and great hints of it are to be found in this marvelous book that we call Joshua. 
It will be interesting to see how it unfolds before us as the weeks progress. I do hope that you will stick it out as the chapters pass by. Joshua, the marvelous next book in the unfolding story of redemption. Please stay tuned for more. I will tell you that one of my friends emailed me today and she told me that she said, I've been listening to the Bible constantly, but I'm struggling with the joy that Paul speaks about. I told her, I struggle with joy all the time. You fall out of a tree and you hurt yourself, you cut yourself, you have this pain and that pain and one and another. You have a bad day and you can't sleep all night and the next day you got to work another 10-hour shift, whatever. I understand that. But that is not the joy that Paul is speaking of. Our joy in this world may be lacking. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you get in a car accident and your face gets mangled on the way home. You're not very happy, are you? The joy that Paul is speaking about is the joy that we have the knowledge that Jesus Christ has secured the inheritance for us. Nothing can take that away. So even in your misery, you can be joyful in the fact that Christ has accomplished this. Yes, you're lacking joy in the physical sense. You may be lacking joy in the family sense. You may be lacking joy in the financial sense. You do not need to lack joy in the spiritual sense. Christ has done it all for you. And here's what he asks you to do. He asks you to do one thing, have faith. Christ died for your sins, meaning you acknowledge you're a sinner. We talked to somebody yesterday who accepted that premise. Christ was buried, meaning that he was really dead, and he went into the grave with your sins. We talked to somebody about that yesterday. Christ rose again, telling us a couple things. One, he had no sin of his own because the wages of sin is death. If he had sinned, he'd still be in the grave, right? It also proves that he's God because all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. He is the God-man, and that tells us one wonderful thing, we told him about it yesterday. Your sin remains in the grave. He arose without your sin. Your sins are forgiven past, present, and future forever. That's stated in the book of Colossians, okay? We had somebody, thank God, we're down there, and we have a lot of dry weeks in the projects, but sometimes somebody comes to Christ, and boy, did he need that at the time. It was wonderful, and now we got somebody to pray for. Ron and I know who to do who to pray about because there was somebody that didn't want to hear that message. But now we've got another goal set before us. But this is what Christ asked of you. Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. If you believe that, the Bible says you'll be saved. It says right in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, when you believe, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, the guarantee. Okay? God doesn't make faulty guarantees like we do. We buy a nice car and it comes with a guarantee and then they don't f fulfill it. Or you marry somebody and that person doesn't fulfill their guarantee. That God's not like that. We're always inserting ourselves into the picture. We can't do that. God will never fail in what he has promised, okay? Call on Jesus today. I've got a closing verse here from Hebrews chapter 9. And for this reason, he, Jesus, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Okay? This is what Christ came to do. Those Jews who were under the law of Moses are given that guarantee. And we, though we aren't under the law of Moses, are given the same guarantee. We are included in corporate Israel. We're not replacing Israel. Okay? 
Israel is Israel, the church is the church, but we are included in the commonwealth of Israel, as Paul tells us. Next week is Joshua 1, 10 through 18. We will carry it out. Our word is true. It's entitled, All That You Commanded Us, We Will Do. That'll be our second Joshua sermon. I'll tell you this, the Lord has you exactly where he wants you. He has a good plan and a purpose for you. It is he who has defeated the enemy and who now offers his people rest. So follow him and trust him and he will do marvelous things for you and through you. Okay, good stuff. Now I got a question for you. If you get this question, I'll give you a ride in my YF-23 jet today. Okay, somebody will get this. This is a little more complicated, but somebody will get this. Yes, David had done a census, which angered the Lord. He was showing pride by this is how many people, right? Lord was angered. The Lord, in order to punish him, he offered three choices. What were the three choices? Raise your hand. Don't just yell out one or two of them. I want somebody that can tell me all three choices that he offered. Pestilence. Pestilence. War by an enemy. Or uh, three, three days of... Um... The three days was the pestilence. Oh, uh, okay, so there was another one. <laughs> oh, she didn't get it. Anybody else? Three days of pestilence, three months of your enemies beating you down, or three years of famine. Okay, good. She got it. Last second. Little hint from her husband, but she got it. I'm giving you a ride on this YF-22 today. Very good. Okay, um, there, uh, you got it. Okay, so we'll have a poem and then we'll be done. The Lord your God is with you. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke his words, he was relaying to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, so to you I tell you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that upon the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you. As to Moses, I said, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, so shall it be. All the land of the Hittites and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, my word is true. So I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them on Jordan's other side. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go and in all you do. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it here in my sight. For then you will make your way prosperous, so I address, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. It shall be so. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Lord God, turn our hearts to be obedient to your word. 
Give us wisdom to be ever faithful to you. May we carefully heed each thing we have heard. Yes, Lord God, may our hearts be faithful and true, and we shall be content and satisfied in you alone. We will follow you as we sing our songs of praise. Hallelujah to you, to us, your path you have shown. Hallelujah. We shall sing to you for all of our days. Hallelujah and amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful book known as Joshua, and we anticipate great things coming out of it in the weeks and months ahead. So please help us to be responsible in handling it without changing it in any way, without diminishing it in any way, but help us to just look for Jesus and what you're trying to tell us in your word about what he has done and also what you've done for your people Israel over the many centuries. You're so good to us, Lord. You're so wonderful to tend to us as you do. Thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord, and it's in his beautiful name we pray. Amen.